black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been, girl, the situation in the hospital and the lack of beds and the pandemic and the lack of nursing staff and people not want to come back to work is driving me crazy um, because patients don't understand that I can't just snap my fingers and make stuff happen. But other than that, girl, it's good. How's your week? It's been crazy busy. So first of all, I feel like we are talking. I feel like we're talking to you when we first started this podcast because that was the sentiment almost weekly when we first started where it was just busy 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 and we thought it was going to continue but then it slowed down because people stopped having babies remember well you know what the birth rate is still down it's not like really yeah girl this is a real life Gilead. (laughs) (laughs) the birth rate is down we're not having more babies now than we were five years ago it's down. Really? I'm shocked. It's just that there's less staff now mm. because the pandemic has taken people out and there's more restrictions and there's more anxiety around giving birth and there's more anxiety around being in the hospital and there's more precautions that we have to take. Yeah. I feel like it's I feel like that's why we're busier too, because we have less staff. And I think that people thought that there were gonna be fewer events, but then when outside opened, everyone wanted to have their event. It's just like, I mean, literally this past Thursday, I had three events in that same day, three events. Like I I just couldn't wrap my mind around why would there be so many events? I get it, I live in DC, it makes sense. But at the same time, if I'm having three events in the same day and everybody else is still having their events, We're on event overload. Let's pump the brakes before we start seeing the same thing happen that happened last couple of years. Folks better go get vaccinated. This new Delta variant putting people out. So if you're not vaccinated, this is the time to do it. It's very interesting. You know, the one thing that I find super interesting now is when people tell me that they're not vaccinated or not interested in it. The people who are not getting vaccinated are shocking to me. I'm surprised at the people. Some people that I was like, oh, I'm sure that they're genius. They're smart. They'll get a vaccine. Nope. I just don't understand. Like, I'm seeing people that didn't want to get vaccinated and then we're admitting them. They're like, I was trying to make it through pregnancy to not get vaccinated. I was trying to make it through the pandemic without getting vaccinated and then I caught COVID. What what did you think was going to happen? Because you're not taking any precautions. It's not like you're in the house. You're out and about. You're at games, you're at plays, you're you're back in the movie that you're you're out. 
So if you're out, you will get exposed, especially if you're in this good old state of Texas, because a lot of us are not vaccinated out here in these streets. Just saying. So make sure you're taking the same precautions you should have been taking for the last year and wear a mask. Wash your hands. And now you can get vaccinated. Can we talk about that washing your hands part for a second, though? I want us to revisit this washing your hands thing. Okay. Equally as important as wearing a mask if you're not vaccinated is washing your hands. But if you are vaccinated, it does not give you permission to stop washing your hands. Nicole, I went into the bathroom at work because, you know, we are you know, now back up and running. And I'm back in the full swing of things. And I literally watched someone do the hair fluff thing. And I was like, we're still doing this after a global pandemic. We are still hair fluffing after we use the restroom. That's so what we're doing. What do you mean hair fluff? What's wrong with fluffing and combing your hair and grooming in it, the bathroom? You can do that in the bathroom if you wash your hands as well, but not instead of washing your hands. I'm talking about the walk up to the mirror after you've come out of the stall and fluff your hair and then hit the door without hitting the sink. That's oh, that's na- that's just that's just nasty. That should have never been a thing. But what do you mean we're still doing that? We should have never been doing that. Oh, Nicole, I keep a running list. If I go into the restroom and I watch someone not wash their hands, I keep a mental note. And I also keep a note in my phone under my note section of the people who don't wash their hands. Because when it comes to social <laughs> and potluck time, I know don't eat their food. Matter of fact, I don't really eat anybody's food. If I have, if I wouldn't eat at your house or I have never been to your house, I'm not going to eat your potluck That's food. real. But that's real. If there is somebody at work, you know, when we have social and stuff that has food or they've touched the food before I've gotten there, I'm not eating it because I know that you don't wash your hands. I know. I know. And there are a group of people that I thought they would go away after the pandemic because it was a global pandemic, but they have not. They're still hair fluffers. And it really is disturbing to me. It's gross. Like, it's gross. Like, you're just disgusting at this point. Well, I didn't know that was a thing. I'm like in utter shock. But, you know, the funniest thing you said is that you keep a running list. Like, you will be that person to keep a running list of people and be like, on July 12th, you didn't wash your hands when you were in the bathroom at 2.58. So uh, you are no longer invited to the potluck. You cannot participate or bring any any dish. Who does that, Johnny? Does my face look like I'm playing? It looks so serious. It's so serious. If y'all could see her face right now, it's, it's, it's ridiculously serious. That's so funny. Nicole, let me tell you to the point where I've been in the stall before and I have not heard the water run and I look at the shoes and walk around the office to see who's wearing those shoes to make sure that I don't eat after that. I'm not it's not a joke like I don't play those games with people just being dirty and gross you remember how Carl was talking about he gets you two throat clears yeah like I give you two good throat clears that was me that's me like that was real though when he said that I was like yeah that that was me too I don't like people coughing around me percent cover your mouth and the people who cough in their hand it's gross like we all know you cough into your elbow if you have to absolutely have to cough and the not washing your hands thing is so disgusting to me that I just think that if you don't wash your hands, like there's no like, oops, I forgot to wash my hands. Because if you forget, if you're able to forget to wash your hands, that means that you don't wash your hands regularly. Right. But the not washing your hands thing is so disgusting to me because I remember there was a study done of like where feces ends up and like the bottom of your handbags and like the remote control. And there's just, oh, that's just too nasty. much stuff that I have to touch for work, like tents and stuff and all the How things. Does that, I mean, that's just nasty on a lot of levels. It's gross. Wash your hands. If you use but you the know bathroom, what? wash your hands. 
dirty. You know what? As as the mom of a child that has a low immune system, right? I'd almost rather people sneeze or cough in their hands than in their arms. That's me. Really? Because I don't, well, my thing is if I sneeze or cough in my arm, I'm not going to wash my armpit, right? Mm-hmm. I got that. Like I'm not going to wash that. And if I'm holding my child, then they're in the crease of my arm and then they've been exposed to germs that I can't really get rid of. So I would prefer people to, if you're going to sneeze or cough, sneeze or cough, and then immediately sanitize your hands until you can get to a bathroom to wash all that buildup off. That is what I would recommend. That would be nice. But you know, the other kind of people that I'm skeptical of, those who are post-pandemic and don't carry hand sanitizer, if you don't have hand sanitizer in your car, in your purse, in your book bag, in your desk, if you don't have hand sanitizer somewhere close by, I don't trust you. I don't get that. I don't, I don't get you. that. <laughs> I don't get that either. You should have sanitizer. Like by now, you you can buy it now. I mean, right when February, March hit, you couldn't find it anywhere, right? You can find masks. You couldn't find hand sanitizer. You can find Lysol. You can find Clorox wipes. You know, and realistically, when I find uh, Lysol and can buy more than two bottles, it's like hitting the jackpot, right? That's still the case even now. But hand sanitizer? Uh-uh. The breweries and start making hand sanitizers. Exactly. The breweries and distilleries are starting to make, you know, the big old alcohol hand sanitizer bottles that you can now get at the Costco. Amen. You can get hand sanitizer and then put it in your little personal little carry-on little container and just put it in your purse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have it all the time. And guess what? If you don't have the money to purchase hand sanitizer, go to you a community event. They give it away for free. Yeah, but if you don't have the money to purchase hand sanitizer, we're doing bad. It's a whole nother conversation. Go back and listen to our financial, <laughs> our finance one-on-one episode. But you know, some people have the money. They just don't want to spend it. They they thrifty. But what I'm saying Priorities. Is, priorities. We're in a pandemic. Please, please prioritize your health. And And here's the thing. If you don't care about your own personal health... Care about somebody else's health. You don't want to make nobody else sick. Act like we have some good sense. Act like your mama taught you how to wash your hands because she did. Okay. And before we had hand sanitizer, you know what my grandma used to do? And shout out to my grandma. She would have a plastic bag full of dry paper towel. She would have a plastic bag full of wet paper towel. And she would have a plastic bag full of wet soapy paper towel. And a plastic bag to dispose of said paper towel. This was the original hand sanitizer Dorothy Mae Grice made. You hear what I tell you? There and you go. that's how we kept coronavirus away back in the day before there were said things as hand sanitizer. I'm just going to tell y'all, y'all need to start washing your hands more often, okay? Yeah, and nothing beats soap and water. So shout out to, shout out to grandmama. Hello. For bringing a soapy paper towel along, okay? Everywhere we went. And let me tell you something. My grandma was the original germaphobe because my grandma, back when it was when it was still socially acceptable to wear gloves like a lady, she would wear gloves and she would not remove her gloves to shake your hand because you can shake her hand with the gloves on because she don't know where your hands have been. And I feel the same way. And if it was socially acceptable to put gloves on right now, I would and shake everybody's hand with some gloves on. Just saying. So, Janine... <laughs> What's on your timeline this week? Okay, in the vein of me going back to work, here we go. Now that fewer people are dying and more people are getting vaccinated, or at least we hope that they are, companies are beginning to reopen in the attempt to regain a sense of normalcy, they say. So employers seem to be overly eager to have their employees back in their offices. I know mine was. I kind of feel like they just want people to be back in their office staring at the sterile walls personally. But employees seem to have a very different view of how this thing should go. According to an article that I read in the Wall Street Journal, people are opting out of returning to work 
in the office. And instead, they are either finding or creating new opportunities for themselves where they can continue to work remotely. The Wall Street Journal says that people are leaving companies at the highest rate that it's been in the last two decades. So it's like a mass exodus to some of these companies. They're like, come back to work. And these employees are like, yep, thanks, but no thanks. So in a similar article that I read from Bloomberg.com, a poll was done on their behalf by Morning Consult. And this poll was done back in May. And out of a thousand adults that they surveyed, 39% of them said that they would consider quitting their job if they weren't offered a flex or remote work schedule. The same survey also illuminated a little bit of a generational difference, right? So while 39% overall said that they would quit among millennials and Gen Z, so that's our age and younger, the number jumped up to 49%, which is almost 50%, said that they would more likely quit than stay and not have a flex work schedule. So Business Insider gave us a little bit of a racial twist to this, right? So according to an article that was written by Dominic Medore Davis, black women are more so opting out of returning to work to avoid workplace racism. So last Mm. year, an Essence study, so in 2020, an Essence study found that 45% of black women said that the workplace is where they experience racism the most. Also, in a recent Slack survey, they said that black professionals would prefer to work from home more so than their white counterparts. And they cited that it was because their sense of belonging increased when they worked from home. 50%, 50%. Think about how much this is. This is half of the black employees said that their sense of belonging increased once they started working from home. What does that tell you? So honestly, People are now prioritizing their mental health, their freedom, their ability to be free with their time. And honestly, I can't blame them. Having had this experience, because I'm back to work now, but having had this experience where I received the letter saying, hey, time to go back to work. I remember the day that I received the note, right? And I looked and I was like, these people are joking, right? Like, why do I need to go back to work? I don't need to be in the office. I can work from home, been doing it. We've been successful. Things have been happening. Moves have been being made. Why do I got to go back? Apparently, I'm not the only one that felt like that, right? No, I didn't quit my job. But apparently, people are out here doing that. And I got to say, being in control of your time and what you do with your day and how you prioritize your work in the day, I think is priceless personally. It's a lot easier for me specifically to work from home. I don't know how other people feel about it, but I liked it. I know you can't really work from home, Nicole, because you're a doctor, but what do you think about it? Uh, You know, the days that I have to do remote reading and I'm at home, which is rare, right? I only do that when I'm not at the clinic in Katy and there's a remote place like an hour over an hour away that needs coverage, right? So my clinic is usually open four days a week. So on the fifth day, I'm remoting somewhere else. Okay. So I like to remote from somewhere else because I can be at home. I can get up. I can see Harrison between patients. I can come back. It doesn't feel like work, right? I can unmute my TV chart between patients. I can call Janine and ask her what she's doing between patients. Hang up real quick, see a patient real quick, come back real quick, right? And so it it feels, it doesn't feel like work, but you're just as productive because you're in the comforts of your own home and you're working 
while you're doing other things. The issue with me is obviously I can't do that every day because I have people that need their cervix checked or I need to do an ultrasound on them or I need to actually doctor. Right. <laughs> but for people that are doing work on like a computer or some type of system um, where they don't have to be in that location, like because they're going to be on a computer anyway. Why are you making those people go back to work? I mean, I just don't understand that. Like if the thing that you're working on isn't at work, like if you're not building dinosaurs in like a museum where you have to literally physically do some teamwork to build, like why are those people having to go back to work? I don't understand it. I think that a lot of people are being forced to go back to work because people are like, we got to pay rent on this building. So we're going to make them continue to work up in here and micromanage them until we get out of this lease or until we pay this building off. And then after that, after we get out of this lease, have somebody else take over it, then we we can allow them to work from home because we see that they're just as productive. But in the meantime, oh yeah, they're trying to micromanage y'all. And that's the craziest thing to me because it's like, you know that we're being productive. I get it. You know, sometimes people work better in a collaborative environment when they can see one another. But make it like that. Make it so that when we need to have a collaboration session, we can do that. We call them Fridayations at my work, right? So like when we need to have a Fridayation, let's have one. But we don't need to come in every day to do that. That's all I'm saying. Here's the thing. I think that the people who are in charge are likely boomers, right? And boomers, they are good helicopter parents and they are great micromanagers. You know why? Because that's how they were raised. They were raised where you stay on your kid and make sure that your kid is successful so you be a helicopter parent. Well, you know what that translates to at work? A micromanager. So they micromanage. They're like, we can't manage the employees if we can't see them. And it's like, no, maybe if you trust your employees and give them a good working environment and give them a situation where they feel comfortable and it's a two-way communication, not just one way you communicating to them and you expect them to do things for you. When you when you create a, a, a culture like that at work, oftentimes you have much more successful, productive employees. And guess what else you don't have to do? You don't have to watch them 24 hours a day to make sure that they get the work done that you need them to do. That's all I'm saying. You know, Janine, though, it only takes one person to not do their job for the boomers to have an excuse to bring everybody back, though. Okay, should we really torture all of these people? I agree. I agree. But I think that a lot of people are like, oh, this this is the example of why we need to bring them back. It's like one spoil, right? One rotten egg spoils the whole bunch. So I think that sometimes that's the case. You do have a subset of people that really do need to be micromanaged because they're not going to do what they're going to do. They're not going to do what they need to do. Then those people don't. Need and to so have that's jobs. the excuse. No, I understand. And they probably are going to lose their jobs, but it's still the reason that a lot of people are like, okay, let's just bring them back. That, and they need to to justify that rent, at least. I want them and their rent to go somewhere. That don't have nothing to do with me. <laughs> They're big corporations. They can afford it. Sorry. And back to what we were talking about with the employees. If an employee is not pulling their weight, this is how you see it. This is how you see who's really pulling weight and who's not. Because if an employee is not pulling their weight and you can't see each other and cover up for each other, then we'll see the ones who are the weak link can go on about their business and we can move on and continue to work from home happily and peacefully when we don't have to be bothered. And we don't have to be bothered with people that don't wash their hands too. I'm just saying like... Yeah, I think that while we're still in this pandemic, people, I, I think that people think that pandemic is over. That's the thing that gives me palpitation when I am living in the uprise of the pandemic and I know that the numbers are going back up. I think that it's too soon to move everybody back. Okay. 
perhaps the people that do need to be micromanaged, perhaps you can say, okay, well, these are the people that we need to put on a probationary period. We're going to bring them back to see if they're productive. And then if they're not, then we're going to let them go because they can't do anything in office. They can't do anything at home. So we're going to let them go. So maybe being at the job should be a punishment. Like you can't work from home because you're distracted by your kids or your husband or other things that you have going on. So we're going to bring you back. Just you, just the people that aren't, that are underperforming. We're going to bring you back for a three month probationary period. And then we're going to make some decisions. Maybe that should be done. But when you have that done, then you have to have the bosses would be have to come back too to supervise. Why? Everybody got a video, a webcam. We've been zooming all year long. You yeah, but that's the same people. thing. You can monitor people from from home. So you're saying the bosses could monitor them just remotely. Now that would be okay for the bosses. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like, then it wouldn't be fair for them. But yes, the probationary period should be you clock in, you clock out, you're on the clock. You are not on social media. You not have access to private accounts. During these hours. Amen. And look, if people are not able to work alone and get their work done with the distractions at home, what makes you think that they're going to come back to work with other people and not get distracted at work? That's the part that I don't understand. Like, if you can get distracted at home, you can definitely get distracted at work. That's why my probationary proposal is genius. It is genius. That's what I'm saying. I like that idea, though. Go and propose that. I'm Johnny. not sure Go that every company that. can do it, but I know that mine can. Jesus. Because here's my thing. Why Why do I have to, why do I not have to be punished when I can get up, do my morning yoga, get my morning coffee, check my emails, and be at peace at 830 in the morning Chilling, ready to go. When I know, when I had to go in the office, I was late almost every day. So let traffic, me, yes. that traffic. So let me help my employer out and give them more hours of my day by staying home. That's all I'm saying. And it, you have to think it's traffic and it's the, I'm already late. I've already spent an hour that I could be spending on doing something for work or personal, whichever, it doesn't matter, but it gives me my hour back on both sides of my commute. Why are we doing this again? This is, it just doesn't make sense to me. And then I got to pay for parking. Like, it's just way too much stuff that we can cut out on by letting me stay at home. That's all I'm saying. Well, you let me know how that goes. Just, just throw that in there. I'm just saying. I'll let you know how it goes. All right, Jenny, let's talk through some scenarios. Why don't we? Yes. What you got? Okay, my letter says, Nicole and Janine, I am a small business owner for a women's boutique. I don't have many workers, mainly someone for marketing, my three assistants who work in the store as well, and an accountant. This is my full-time gig, so I work most days, even pre-pandemic I did. When the pandemic first started, sales were down, but I kept all three of my assistants and paid them their normal hourly wage, which is about $16 an hour. Then I created an online store. So I had my assistants do packaging and shipping arrangements and customer service because we weren't open. They were happy to have their jobs. And since I was so busy and the sales were booming online, I bumped them up to $18 an hour and gave them bonuses. Now the boutique is open and they don't want to come back after receiving their January stimulus checks and now this recent one. So I have been working by myself in the store until recently. I don't want to fire them, but I thought they would be more loyal. I hired another worker to help in the meantime. Ladies, why is it so hard to hire loyal help during the pandemic? Any advice to keep my workers? Does it say where this boutique is? It doesn't because I'm like, oh, that's a good hourly wage, girl. 
And I'm saying just the opposite. Oh, you can't survive off of that up here. Because down here, like to work in a boutique at ringing up, you know, clothing or packaging stuff and dropping it off to the local UPS store. I mean, that's decent money to make $18 an hour plus a bonus. I agree. It's decent money, but I'm saying that you can't survive off of that up here. The reason why I was asking where it was is because that's a big part of it, right? Like if we're someplace where, you know, minimum wage is a whole lot lower, then yeah, great. I think that your employees are kind of being spoiled and ridiculous, right? But if you live in some place like DC, where they're probably living with roommates or at home with their parents or trying to figure out how to, they're going to make ends meet or have a second or third job. I kind of understand that. Maybe this is also an indication that you don't need to reopen the store. Do you have consistent business coming to the store that it's worth keeping it open every single day? Maybe this is the time where you shift to be a completely online boutique. I'm just saying maybe this is a indication that this boutique needs to be a hundred percent online. I would say weigh the cost, right? See what it would cost you to make the boutique 100% online. I'm sure there's a cost to have the brick and mortar store. See if you eliminate that cost. If you're equally as successful online only, maybe you do it like that. I don't know. I don't own a boutique, so I'm not going to suggest that I have expert advice. But I know that if I had been one of your workers and I see that your boutique online orders are ramping up and maybe not as many people would be coming into the store... I would probably have the same feeling about your boutique as I have about me coming to work right now, right? Why? Is it necessary? Do they have to be there? Let them continue to work from home. What is it harming you? Just curious. What do you think, Nicole? Yeah, but they're not working from home. I mean, it seems like they receive their stimulus check and they're not coming back to work. That's different. So if they're not coming back to they're work- They're not coming back at all? I thought that they just wanted to still work- inside the plate like they wanted to work from home during the orders they're not coming back Mm -mm. at all it says they don't want to come back after receiving their january stimulus checks and now this most recent one oh i thought they you meant they didn't want to come back to work at like to to physically the brick and mortar location Mm -mm. just to work well i mean then let me okay i scratch everything i just said and let's be honest (laughs) if that's the case let them go Like, let them go. If they can't work from home, I was under the impression that they couldn't, they didn't want to come back to the physical location. If that is the case, they didn't want to come back to the physical location, then don't make them. But if they just don't want to come back to work, then they're probably lazy, honestly. I mean, over a stimulus check, how much is your stimulus possibly that would be worth it not having a job? People are doing that for the temporary fix thinking, oh, this is probably a friend, right? Like they feel like, oh, we have a relationship. We stuck it out. This probably, they probably been working for her for, since she opened probably. probably. If she feels comfortable enough to be like, I'm going to give you a bonus on top of increasing your hourly wage. Mm-hmm. She probably thinks their family, you know, they've helped me. I'm going to help them. I'm doing well. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to feed the family. That mm-hmm. is what I'm getting from this letter. And I would say this to you. One, Don't fraternize with your workers, period. It needs to be strictly business. And I know that, um, Johnny, you mentioned where does she live? If she lives in D.C., this would be hourly. I don't know what the hourly wage is for minimum wage for D.C. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure that it's not $16 an hour. It's not. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not. But minimum wage is also not livable. 
Okay, that that's a government problem. Okay, right. the government's trying to fight that over right now. But I'm not about to raise the bar for minimum wage when the government haven't. Uh, okay, I'm not going to do that. Right. So the point I'm making is she's paying them above minimum wage. Right. Mm-hmm. If you go, so should somebody that's working at a fast food restaurant be paid less or more than somebody working at a boutique ringing up the cash register? It just depends, right? You should just be. People should just be paid a livable wage. Period. Well, that's to me, that's the government thing. You know, when 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 the government mandates that people should be paid a livable wage and they increase the minimum wage, then they should also give businesses a tax break so they can do that. Okay, agree. But they tax in businesses out the wazoo, small businesses anyway, the big businesses, big corporations not getting taxed like that. Okay, I've been a small business owner and they tax you. Okay, amen. And so when we talk about livable wage, they got to give us some type of break. So we can give them a livable wage because if you're a new business and you're starting up, you don't have the money to pay people two, three times minimum wage. So paying them above minimum wage, which is what this girl's doing, because nationally, everybody's lobbying for $15 an hour. They're getting paid more than that now. Mm -hmm. So give her some credit. And then she's already doing and adjusting as she can. She's making more. She's showing them that, hey, if you work hard, you stick with me, I will eventually raise your rate and I'll bonus you. And all I have to say is people not loyal. Okay. This is a business decision. If people think that they can get more money by doing the stimulus check and doing something else part-time to be unemployed so they can get unemployment plus their stimulus check and they're doing better, then it's not personal, mama. It's business. Okay. You're right. I'm going to make more this month doing the stimulus plus claiming unemployment. I'm going to do that all day. And you can't really knock the hustle, right? You can't knock the hustle because that's a hustle too. They're getting over. Now, it's sort of a dumb hustle because it's very temporary. Okay. It's very temporary because we're not always going to get a stimulus check. Okay. The pandemic is not always going to be here. And you're still going to have to justify that lapse in employment when you go and apply for your next job. Okay. So it's not smart, but it is a quick fix. It's a quick hustle for them to get more money. And so what I would tell you is as a small business owner, expect turnover and do not take anything personal and do not fraternize with your employees. Like you just can't do it. If they're not showing up, you have a policy in place. Hey, you call off three times with no doctor's excuse. You're, you're out of there and you stand by that and you move on. I'm glad that you've hired somebody in the meantime. Fire these people and hire a few more. Okay. Now the issue is when you fire somebody versus when they quit, right? It's a matter of whether you have to pay unemployment versus not. So I get you, mama. You know, it's you're not trying to fire them and then you have to get taxed on the back end. You'd rather them quit, but you can create a policy that says if you don't show up for work when we tell you you're not approved off after this amount of time, then I can assume you quit. So you can say, and the, the paperwork will come. I have paperwork coming. Hey, this person said they were fired. They're claiming unemployment. Do you agree with these circumstances? And you know what you can say? You say, no, this yeah. person did not show up. And in their policy, it said that if you, you are no call, no show this many times, we assume that you have quit and we replace you. Point blank period. You need to put some policies in place to cover you so that you're not paying you know, unemployment insurance and getting taxed that way. Okay. Um, so you just can't take per- things personal and you need to put some policy in place now and send it to them and have them sign it that way in three days when they don't show up and they don't call, you automatically assume they quit. I agree. That's my word of advice. I agree. This is going to sound bad, but you know, if you say like, Hey, let's just have a quick chat. Let's see how this is working out for both of us. 
how are things working out for you? And then when they say, oh, things are great, really, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's how things are working out for me. You're not showing up and this is what's happening, right? And then give them the hard question. Do you think that this is the right situation for you? Like really think, Mm. I want you to think about it. And you don't have to give me an answer right now, but I need an answer within the next couple of days. Is this the appropriate situation for you? Does this situation work for you in your current circumstances? And oftentimes when you make them think about it and ask them the hard question, they'll give you the answer that you want. And the answer is probably going to say, no, you know what? Now that I've thought about it, never fails, Nicole, never fails. I've done this more times than I'd like to say. But when I ask and, and they have to give me an answer, most times the answer is no. Or it's, Mm -hmm. I would really like to continue this situation, but here's where the obstacles lie. And when you really delve into those obstacles, then you say like, maybe this isn't the right time for you in this position, or maybe this is not the right time. You know, we can revisit it, but we just want to make sure that we all end on a positive note so that if we would like to reestablish this relationship, we can. Mm, That's a great way to make somebody quit. Mm, I like it. All right, Jenny, what's your uh, scenario? Mine says, hi, ladies. I love the podcast. It's my weekly outlet while reviewing ledgers. Okay, so let me get right to it. I'm an accountant for a grocery store chain. I have been working from home for the past year and a half. And now my supervisor is asking me to return to the office. I don't want to go. Not only do I work out of a grocery store, but there's really no reason for me to be in the office. I work alone in my department. I don't require anything that's physically at the store. And I already have a setup at home. So why waste the money relocating my setup back to the store? I have been searching for opportunities that will allow me to have a flexible schedule. I don't necessarily want to work from home 100% of the time, but something that's just a little bit more reasonable so I don't have to go into a grocery store six days a week. No, I don't have kids or a husband or anything like that. It's not really about that. It's really just about my peace of mind. Am I being crazy and spoiled or am I just prioritizing myself? Help me think through this. All right, let's think, friend. Okay, so you're an accountant. You're not a cashier. You're not a stalker. You're not doing, you're not cutting meat in the deli. You're not a baker in the bakery. You're not a cart, the, the cart getter. You're not, you're not a greeter. You're not anything that has to do with the day-to-day operations of the store, right? So I would label you as somebody that is an office worker. You're at the corporate level, okay? So you can technically do your job effectively, probably more productively from home. And so I don't think that you're going crazy, but I think that a lot of women and black people don't ask. Okay. And so sometimes it may just be a matter of you asking, but I am a big believer of when you ask show proof, make it show and tell. Okay. For example, when I was 14, you know, from the small town Um, in Louisiana. And I really wanted my driver's license when I turned 15. And my birthday is on Christmas. So before the next year comes, I only have what, six days, right? And so the law was going to change to where you had to be 16 and have a 90-day permit that following year. So I knew that I had a very small window to get my license, right? And out of that very weak window, 
the DMV was only open for three of those days, right? Because some of some of those days were weekend days. Mm-hmm. So I said, self, what do you need to do to be prepared, right? I researched it. I found an online course. I did driver's ed. I practiced. And then I presented it to my mom, right? Because I knew that she was going to be like, oh, there's no need to rush. Like, why are you trying to do that, right? But I knew in my mind that I wanted freedom. I wanted my license and I wanted to have it when I was 15 because I didn't want to wait a whole nother year and have to have a 90 day permit, right? And plus, I feel like I knew how to drive. So what did I do? I got my little folding board. I put my little presentation together for my mom to show her the benefit that my license would have in her life, right? I can take my sister to practice. I can go to practice myself. I can go to the grocery store for you every week. You don't have to pick up granny. I can run all her errands. I can do all these things. And look, it frees you up to do all these other things that you used to do, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where after after I did the presentation, she had no choice but to say, oh my God, that's such a great idea. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure and help you to get your license so that you can get it before the deadline. Of course, there's going to be barriers there, right? My mama got sick. The DMV ended up being closed two of the days because of weather. Mm. And so we had to end up driving an hour and a half away. My mom was sick. I said, I'll drive you. This is my practice. I'll drive you. (laughs) So I drove my mom there, took my driver's test, passed it, and drove my sick mom back a day before, December 30th, because it was close to 31st. And of course, the first would have been the new law, right? Mm -hmm. So I did it. I achieved my goal. I say that corny story, which is true, which is 100% true. My mom will tell you it's 100% true, to say, come with the pros and the cons for not only you, but for them and make it mm-hmm. such a way that it's their idea. Like, oh, that's a good idea for us. Like this actually saves us money. This saves us space. Perhaps propose something else they could do with your office. Like, hey, you could free up an office for, I don't know, team meetings or this could be extra break space. I mean, suggest something to be done with your office and then show them your productivity. Hey, listen, I'm able to do all these things. I've done all this extra stuff during COVID. I've analyzed these things and here's your projections and what you should be doing. Show them that you're more productive at home and how that space can benefit them to where they don't have a choice but to let you stay at home. That would be my approach. And my second suggestion would be start applying for new jobs. Okay. If they say no, have a backup, have a backup plan. And and then after they say no, after a couple of weeks, you know, you can say, you know, I really thought through this. I'm, I really enjoy having the opportunity to work with you guys. I hope this doesn't, you know, carry burn any bridges in our relationship, but I've received another opportunity that I'm going to take. And then you walk away from them and you get you a job that you can work from home. And uh, that's what I would say. I would say, try that tactic first, especially if you have any longevity at that company. But then if they don't give you what you want and you're like, I am not wanting to go back into this like microaggressive you know, environment, then you already have a backup plan and an escape plan so that you can put in your resignation later. My thought. I agree with everything that you said. The one other option that I came up with in my head was make them your client. Tell them, you know what? It's cool. You said you're an accountant, right? You're a CPA. Make them your client. They don't have to pay you insurance anymore. You can take on additional clients. They know what your work is like, and then you don't have to abide by their rules. You just have to give them the product that they're looking for, right? So tell them, you know what? What if if they're, if they're not okay with you staying and working at home and after you've laid out your plan, as Nicole said, 
you can offer them this as an option. What if you don't have to carry me as an employee anymore? We can just do a contract that says, I will take care of the accounting for your grocery stores. And then you can take on other clients. You can find yourself some good insurance, whichever kind of insurance you're willing to pay for. You can pick whatever insurance you want. And now you have a client and you have, you said this is a grocery store chain. So you have a big client to start that'll give you enough cash flow to then take on other clients, maybe bring on some employees. Maybe this is your time to be an entrepreneur. I'm just saying, take the opportunity, do with it what you can. If they say no, here are your other options. You can find another job or you can create another job. I'm just saying the best way to do this, if you're going to create a new job is to start with an already existing client that you know pays well. Even even still, uh, Janine, let's say this is a big grocery store chain, right? So they have in-house accounts, a lot of them. Let's mm-hmm. say that. And they're not looking for an independent accountant, right? Because we have all these other accounts. So let's say that that's not your situation. This is still a good time to maybe, you know, start your own business and build your clientele up. And you can always say, you know, I've worked in accounting for these big corporations to give yourself a little bit of legging. And then once you have more clientele under your belt, then you can also quit. True. Just saying. But I think that she said in the letter that she has, that she's the only one that works in her department. So if you work for oh. a grocery store chain and you're the only one that works in the department, not yeah, they for need nothing, you. but you, exactly. You have yeah. them exactly where you want them. And it's pretty hard, especially during a pandemic, to find an accountant, a CPA that's going to volunteer to come into a grocery store, which could potentially be a COVID epicenter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why be bothered? COVID is real. Yeah. So if you're the only one and it, and We have all of the information based on the letter that you sent us. But if you're the only one, you kind of have the upper hand here. So I think that you can kind of call the shots here. But be careful how you do it because you don't want to make a a situation out of something that's not a situation. Ask them first. Right. They're likely to they're likely to appease you and say you're the only one in your department It's not really going to cause any fuss. Stay at home. Right. But if they don't weigh your other options, find another opportunity or create one. Just saying. Yep. I like that. All right, Johnny, what did you learn new this week? Okay, so I learned a couple of things. So according to a Flex job survey, these are the top reasons why people want to continue to work from home. 84% of the people said it's because they don't have a commute. 75% of the people said so that you could pick more than one reason. Obviously, you can tell by these percentages. 75% of people said it, it saved them a significant amount of money. 32% of people said they don't want to return to work because they're fearful of COVID exposure. 26% of people said that they don't really want to be away from their family or their pets. And 15% of people said they don't want to put their child in childcare. So the childcare responsibilities was one of the things, right? From the same survey, they said the average person said that they saved last year in 2020 $5,000 working from home. And this one was the one that kind of, I don't know, this one just rubbed me the wrong way. So this um, survey was done by PricewaterhouseCooper, right? And it was done for senior management and their beliefs about maintaining the culture at work, right? So this is what senior managers thought in terms of how do you maintain the culture and how many times you have to come to work to maintain that culture, right? So 29% of senior management thought that you 
need to come to work at least three times a week to maintain the culture. 21% said you have to come to work five times a week to maintain the culture. 18% said four days a week. 15% said two days a week. And only 5% believe that you did not need to actually physically come to the building to maintain the culture in the office. So out of touch they are. So out of touch. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you have to see people. I think that it's important to do things that are team building if you're in the virtual world to maintain the culture. I don't think that you actually physically have to see them because you're not supposed to be fraternizing at work anyway. (laughs) So I learned that 64% of Black respondents of a Slack survey said that they were better able to manage their stress working from home than they are going back and forth to work. And I completely agree. Me too. hundred percent. When I'm going to work, before I even get to the door of my office building, I'm already stressed out from the commute. Yep. Frustrated because of traffic. Absolutely. I've been sitting in traffic for an hour and now I'm ready to blow a fuse. And now you want me to talk to Susie from accounting? No, uh-uh. uh-uh. Yeah. I need yeah. I need 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes, Susie. You're right. And that saving money, that $5,000 a year, that's real. Because, I mean, if you're in this nice city of Houston, I mean, the amount we pay in tolls every month, we save more than that. Tolls, gas. And gas. Parking. Yeah. Let me tell you, it's, I almost pay $200 a month in just to park my vehicle at work. I can... I can understand that. Yeah. Parking lunch. I can go downstairs and cook in my kitchen. I don't have to go to said restaurant or pack and forget that I packed and then leave and then waste. And it's it's so much. It's so much better working yep. from home. All right. Our motivational moment for the week. So this is from a, an unknown author. And it said, you can't have a million dollar dream on a minimum wage work ethic. Oh, I like that. Ooh, that Ooh. said a word. It did. Remember, this pandemic is temporary. So are the breaks some of us are getting right now. Invest wisely, grind steadily, and stay focused so that you end up on top. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Bye. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.